and welcome to the Art Guide Australia podcast with Tiani Mikus. This episode marks the third of a four-part Conversations with Curators series where we talk with four curators about the processes, ideas and stories behind their curatorial practice. For this third episode, I spoke with Andy Butler. Andy is a Filipino-Australian writer, artist and independent curator. As an independent curator, Andy is still in the earliest stages of his career, but has curated lauded exhibitions at Bandura Homestead and the Melbourne Artistron Gallery Blindside. In their own ways, these shows look at power hierarchies and systemic racism in the arts, thinking through questions of national identity, colonialization, and belonging. Andy and I talk about what being an independent curator involves, how he gets curatorial work, his curatorial processes, and what he has discovered about what curating can do and mean. So among the many things that you do, being an independent curator is one of them. I was hoping you could first talk through what it means to be an independent curator, especially as opposed to, say, being an institutional curator. So as an independent curator, I, I find that, at least from, from talking to sort of institutional curators or people that work within different contexts, there's a sense of freedom to the ideas you're able to work with. And I think more of an element of risk-taking in the sorts of exhibitions that you can, that you can put on. I think that a lot of the independent curators that I speak to work with their projects from much more of a, a conceptually focused framework that they start with a very particular idea and build from there as opposed to with I, I guess a lot of other institutional curators who would maybe be working with a collection or work in a larger institution whether they don't necessarily pick the artists who will be in exhibitions where they sort of work within a much broader framework of, of stakeholders so as, a, as an independent curator it does afford one a, a little bit more freedom and I guess as, as an independent curator you sort of take on quite a few different roles so not only is it exhibition making, I think it's also advocacy in a lot of ways for particular artists' practices, for the arts more broadly, for particular ideas that you kind of want to see circulate within the contemporary art art world and contemporary art discourse. You can sort of advocate those for those in a very particular way. I think one of the positives about independent curating is that it does afford you a particular sense of freedom and autonomy in the work that you do. I think that in, in the past when I've worked for, within an institutional context, I feel like there's so much more that goes on within organizations that you have to do that's not curating. You know, the, your emotional energy, especially in the sort of work that I do while diversity is, is quite a big thing. I, I feel like when I was working within organizations, I was pulled in to do particular sorts of diversity work that wasn't actually about community building. It was more about trying to change and shift particular structures that had led to the exclusion of, of people that these organisations now really wanted to engage with. And I feel like as an independent curator, there's much more of a sense of being able to just develop really great relationships with people around you, mm -hmm. with the artists around you and with other people within the arts community. So to backtrack from that a little bit, did you always have an interest in the arts growing up? No, I actually don't come from artist, an artistic background or education. And I come from the sort of family where art wasn't really something that was a part of my life until my late 20s. Mm -hmm. 
I sort of grew up in Kalgoorlie and then the outer suburbs of Perth from a family context where I was in the first generation to go to university. And so this idea of working within the contemporary art sector was not even in my worldview. It wasn't something that I ever thought would happen. Right. So how did you end up in Melbourne and working in the arts? So... I guess I was a part of the, you know, the big exodus of people that leave Perth and I left for, you know, a a lot of reasons. I moved here in 2010 and started studying English literature because I'd sort of tried studying more vocational degrees and not really done that great. But I was always really great at English in high school. So I sort of moved to Melbourne and thought that maybe I'd try studying English And then I started taking some philosophy courses and then ended up doing my undergraduate and honours in philosophy. And I feel like from that philosophical training is how I ended up moving into the arts. So I'm actually quite fresh to the art sector. My first job in the arts was four years ago in 2015, selling catalogues for the David Bowie exhibition. But I feel like because of the particular perspectives and critical rigour that philosophy can afford you and then with the sorts of other training that I took afterwards, it sort of led me to to working in the arts. But what drew you from philosophy to the arts? Because it sounded like you could have gone anywhere from a philosophy point almost. Yeah, I feel like... So it's actually quite a natural transition. So I've met other artists and curators who also come from a philosophy background and also had quite a a similar experience of it to me. So I got to the end of my philosophy degree feeling quite disheartened by it all. So I'm someone that really wants to think about race and power and within philosophy, especially in the particular department that I was in that wasn't quite seen as real philosophy. And I think it's quite limiting in the ways that you can really think about these really deep ideas. So the sort of tools at your disposal in philosophy are are just concepts and writing and and academic history. But I feel like moving into the arts, you can sort of unpack these, and we're moving into contemporary art, you can unpack these really complex ideas with a much broader set of tools that move into writing or space or material or sound you can think about the audience you can think about very particular cultural moments in time and the way that the exhibitions that you put on the artwork that you use sort of speak and unpack to speak to and unpack these really big ideas so that sense you're describing of what you're finding you could do in the arts was that influenced by any curators or by any artists no, I just really fell into it. So I, I left my philosophy degree thinking that I would be a fiction writer. I started taking night classes at RMIT in professional writing and editing. And then I realised I was really bad at writing fiction. And then I ended <laughs> up um, writing essays about art and politics, which really sort of started to uh, build up a bit of momentum for me. And then through studying, through the student gallery there, there was this program that you could do to curate an exhibition and sort of get a bit of professional development through that. So I did that in in early 2017 and then sort of fell into doing more curating through that. So following that, I then undertook a curatorial mentorship through Blindside Gallery here in Melbourne with Emily Cormack. And that was sort of the first exhibition that I curated by myself, the second exhibition 
that I'd ever ever worked on, and that sort of that experience really opened up to me what sorts of things you could do with a curatorial practice in a really interesting way. It seems like that blindside mentorship was really important then in opening up what curating could be for you. Can you maybe talk through the program a little bit more and the exhibition that you curated? So in December 2017, as a part of the Emerging Curatorial Mentorship Program at Blindside, I put together an exhibition called Always There and All Apart. And it sort of stemmed from my experience having worked at the NGV in you know various sort of casual front of house capacities during a time where everybody wanted to talk about diversity but in this way where I all of a sudden realized that I was the diversity that I was the one diverse person in the room as people wanted to sort of talk about these particular concepts and I just had this sinking feeling and sort of talking to other people about this as well that I was there in this particular dynamic of diversity where it was actually much more about the audience feeling better about themselves and feeling like they were very progressive because there was diversity in the room as opposed to a meaningful engagement with the works of non-European artists. So I curated an exhibition at Blindside that really tried to unpack these feelings of that so many artists also felt of what it feels like to go into a space as the person who is there as a diversity and really try and make clear the dynamics of power that exist in those sorts of gallery spaces. So it was a six-month mentorship program that I undertook with Emily Cormack, who is an independent curator and previously been the curator at Gertrude for about a decade. And before entering that program, I'd been doing a lot of writing and publishing and sort of thinking about particular ideas and thinking about art but I hadn't really understood what it meant to turn those ideas into an exhibition and how to use the elements of of exhibitions to really draw out particular ideas and put together a particular experience that I think is quite unique to exhibition making. So through that show, what did you start to realise you could do as a curator? What could curating be or mean? I think it meant that you could really get particular ideas into the public consciousness. That You could bring these particular ideas through these artworks out to the surface and try and get them to circulate in particular ways. Mm-hmm. So... I approached a lot of artists that were already in in different, you know, different modes thinking about these dynamics of power and the way that we understand cultural difference and race in, in the Western Australia. So what I realized through that first process and what really excited me about it as a curatorial project is that I sort of entered this project with a particular set idea, a set of ideas and one artist that I knew I wanted to work with. And that through, putting, through putting together this group show and meeting these other artists and having conversations with them, that starting from this one particular idea and getting people's responses to it, it actually built and built and built itself into this really complex web of ideas and responses that were so much bigger than I could have imagined when I started out, that these things that I was thinking through within this exhibition ended up through the the interventions and the works of these artists just ended up becoming deeper and deeper. 
And I think you could see those things in the show and in the writing about the show. But I did just want to backtrack for a little bit and talk about the more pragmatic aspects of being an independent curator. I'm first of all interested to know, how do you actually go about getting your curatorial work? A lot of applying to different (laughs) galleries. So my first, the first exhibition I was able to work on, as discussed before, was through an open application process. And then it was through that exhibition that I got approached by another gallery to curate another exhibition. But I think for me, a lot of the opportunities that I've received have just been through putting my work out there. So I do, I do a lot of writing as well and a lot of public speaking. And I think through sort of having I work circulating in the, in the public realm, other people have generally approached me. And it seems that many independent curators have to have a diverse practice. There has to be writing and there has to be some other element in there as well. Has, does that, is that difficult to juggle, all of those things? It is in terms of how much time you have in a week. But for me, I feel like across writing, curating and art making, I actually work from a very... It comes from the same place. It comes from this, yeah. So with writing and creating and art making, I actually work with quite a similar set of concepts across all three things that I do. And so in terms of juggling it conceptually, I think that they all fit together very well. But it's more, yeah, the pragmatics of time and money and resources. And those are things that you have talked and written about. And I'm curious, with being an independent curator, because it is an unstable position, you don't have permanent employment, how do you juggle those more financial matters and questions of survival? It's not easy. And I've been full-time independent for a year now. And it's been an interesting period of my life. I'm really lucky and so grateful to have been, to have spent a really concentrated amount of time just working on projects and with ideas that I really want to work with. And I feel like I've developed my craft in a lot of ways. But in terms of the financial realities of what it means to be an independent curator, or even more broadly to have a creative practice as your sole source of income, it's really not the most sustainable thing you could do with your life. (laughs) Well, maybe, but there's obviously, there's something that you find so meaningful about it that does make you keep doing it. Yeah, I, there really is. I love the work that I do, but I think that the thing that really drew me to contemporary art and curating is the community of people around me. Mm-hmm. I think being able to develop those relationships with people whose work I really respect and get so much out of has sort of been what's, what's kept me going. So when you're putting a show together and you're working with this community, what's your process of working through the themes, working with the artists and getting towards the overarching ideas and format of your exhibitions? So ideas for an exhibition at at the beginning are a little bit amorphous. There's sort of all of these ideas and questions that are circulating around. But for me, it always comes back to writing because I'm a writer first and foremost. So I do a lot of writing around particular ideas and then look for artworks that really speak to those ideas or deepen them in a really interesting and complex way. And so usually it will start out with a set of sometimes loose, sometimes more solid ideas and usually one artist or an artwork. 
And then the process for me begins by reaching out and just having a, a conversation with them, doing a studio visit, hearing about what they do, sort of talking to them about things that I've been thinking about and letting ideas sort of develop from there. And usually with a group show, what I do after that is I try and really condense down to maybe three sentences what I think a group exhibition with this artist's work could be about. And then from there, I sort of just look at a lot of art and then have a lot of meetings with people to hear more about their practice. And from those initial ideas in this one artist's work, they sort of develop out further. One of the most recent shows that you curated was Those Monuments Don't Know Us, which was at Bundura Homestead here in Melbourne. And I was hoping you could talk through how that exhibition came together and what the show was trying to say about national identity. So it was an exhibition that really tried to unpack particular ideas about national identity, but in a way that I was hoping would be a little bit more complex than how I've seen these sorts of questions dealt with in sort of white cube contexts. So that exhibition was in a 19th century colonial mansion out here in Bandura that was sort of built on the cusp of federation and when the white Australia policy came in. And I guess what I was thinking about leading into that exhibition was how these artists that ostensibly make work about identity, that they're actually responding to a much broader political context and history in Australia, that sometimes when they're moved into institutional spaces or white cubes, those sorts of political histories are kind of like shorn away from the works. But I was trying to place these artists' work within a colonial context within a colonial building to make it kind of clear that people are grappling with these questions of belonging and identity. Because in Australia, we're existing in this country and within this framework that really clearly from the white Australia policy has been engineered around a very particular identity. And so I was trying to make it clear that these artists who are all coming up now talking about these questions around identity are actually within a much richer and interesting historical set of ideas that sometimes we don't talk about. Well, I'm curious then as to what it's like to be a curator cultivating a diverse range of voices and ideas and opinions while also working within a very narrow Eurocentric art world. How how does that work for you? I guess that's one of the reasons why I am an independent curator. So working for major arts organisations across the literary sector and the visual arts sector, that Eurocentric baggage that still informs everything from the ground up at such a fundamental level just really informs every, yeah, everything that they do. And so trying to really unpack these ideas of history and power and exclusion and race within the very spaces that are formed from those dynamics of power is, has been quite difficult. So I found it a little bit easier to come in as an independent from the outside because I feel that just leaves open a lot more energy for me to just work with the artists. 
When you're curating these shows that are asking fundamentally important questions about the nation that we live in and how we're living our lives collectively, what are you hoping that people take away from those shows? I think for a lot of people that come outside of the dominant culture, I hope that they come into these shows with a sense of recognition and a sense of being less isolated and that other people are thinking about really similar ideas too. And I guess for people for whom questions of diversity and inclusion have only come very recently, I would hope that they would come in and realise that the that these questions of diversity and inclusion that are so big at the moment are actually way more complex and deep than how we're approaching them at the moment. And that the works of non-European artists are actually really complex and different and not just fitting within this particular diversity box. When you talk about the artists you work with having complex ideas that in an art exhibition are not getting fully realised for their complexity, what is it that you think that audiences in the art world aren't picking up on? At least in the exhibitions that I've curated, I guess I've tried to move away from the sense that exhibitions like this are just celebrating diversity and they're actually more about whiteness. They're more about structures of power that people from all of these different backgrounds are all navigating in different ways. And obviously it affects people in all these different ways depending on your own personal history. But I found at least from, from the exhibitions that I've curated that when you put these, these artists together, they sort of tell this story of navigating this particular worldview that defines who we are that doesn't actually fully apply to everybody's experience. And there's something that many people have commented on with your shows that when they are engaging with racist power structures and colonial power structures, you do so in a way that is completely meaningful. It doesn't feel like a show of diversity. As a curator, what what can be done to make sure that you are having a meaningful engagement in your exhibitions? I think from... From this first blindside show, what I realised with a lot of artists that I, that I work with is that this really big difference is that you're starting at a position where you don't need to explain to somebody what racism is, that the conversations that we're having about people's work and what it means isn't where, you're, where you need to start at this diversity 101 discussion. It just feels like we can straight away dive into these really much more complex ideas around what they're doing. And I guess that was the really interesting response that I had to this first exhibition that made me think that curating is this really powerful thing, is that so many of the artists that I'd approached were like, oh my God, I've never been able to talk about these things openly with the curator before, about what it feels like to be taken in because you're the diversity and people not actually engaging with the concepts that you're working with, with the feelings and the emotions that you're working with and with the materials that, that you're interested in and your processes. In certain brief moments in your writing, it seems as if you've had times of doubt as to how much impact curating can have dismantling and changing contemporary arts, hierarchies and power systems. Is that correct to say or am I misreading those moments? I think there's moments of doubt that I have not in the projects that I'm doing or the artists that I'm working with because I think they're all incredible and they have so much to contribute I guess there's moments of doubt in thinking about how to engage with questions of 
structural issues and whether or not one individual project can actually shift this huge distribution of power within which this project sits. And I think curating as a whole has a huge role to play in shifting these dynamics of power. But the position that we're in in terms of diversity and inclusion is one of is systemic. It's something that everybody has a stake in and everybody has to take seriously and everybody has a role to play in undoing. And sometimes I feel like people think that one show will change something. And it does in particular ways. It opens up discussions and opens up particular questions. But just having one exhibition and then thinking that the whole thing is solved is a position that I've seen a lot of people take and that is fundamentally incorrect. Do you feel hopeful about your career in independent curating then? I feel really hopeful about this whole generation of artists that are coming up now that are asking really, really, really deep questions about belonging and power in Australia. I really do. And I think that there are so many incredible artists from outside of the, outside of the dominant culture that are showing the cracks of these institutional spaces. I guess one thing that I'm really wary of is that this isn't the first time that diversity's been on trend. Obviously it happened in the 90s as well when Keating had this whole idea about the Asian century and there was all this engagement with Asian Australian artists. And I guess my main worry or things that I'm not, that I really want to be more hopeful about is that along with this discussion around diversity and inclusion is that there will be a concomitant structural change. So I feel like at the moment there's this sense that putting on these exhibitions of diversity will have long-lasting impacts on our cultural landscape. And even though these artists are important and their work is resonant, at the same time, if I think it'll be such a shame that if at the end of this period of diversity being such an intense, intense issue that we're talking about, if when that sort of peters off and, and we move on to the next thing, if the structures of cultural production remain exactly the same, I think that will be such a shame. And that was Andy Butler discussing his curatorial practice. We hope you've enjoyed this third episode of our Conversations with Curators series and stay tuned for the next and final episode with David Hurlston, who works at the National Gallery of Victoria as a senior curator in Australian painting, sculpture and decorative arts to 1980. You can also listen to episode one with Anna Davis, curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art, and episode two with Nikki Cumston, curator of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art at the Art Gallery of South Australia and artistic director of Tarnanty.